NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Talk To Me here on NotFest.com. As always, I'm Justin Toomey, joined by the one, the only, Chris Aiken. Chris, how are we doing? We are spectacular. <laughs> and uh, this week on the uh, podcast, we've got returning to the show, Maddie Mullins of Memphis May Fire, one of my favorite bands, my favorite current bands, one of my favorite new bands, however you want to call it, even though they're on their seventh album. <laughs> yeah, isn't but, it weird how we still think of, of a lot of these bands as new bands and really they're like 15 years old or whatever oh, yeah. at this point? Jesus. Someone someone said something the other day about 2008 being 14 years ago, and I was just <sighs> like, Jesus Christ. I know. it's cra- Dude, it's crazy. Well, it's like even Memphis May Fire, they literally are, what, 15, 16 years old at this point? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they have a uh, the new album, uh, Remade in Misery, out June 3rd. And it, we, we talked about this a little bit ago, but I mean, they've released seven singles already. And I think <laughs> there's only like five more songs that are going to be on this album. So uh, pretty much everything's out there that, that you're, you're going to get into. And one thing I got into with, uh, with Maddie was how he liked kind of releasing the singles one at a time. And kind of, kind of, he, he said, he said it was nice to just throw them out there and let them breathe a little bit and not just throw an entire album at somebody. And uh, here you go. Like, what do you want to do with it? Yeah. Well, dude, I, I honestly think it's kind of the new way, man. A, a lot of, a lot of bands that I talk to are, are starting to release singles now. Yeah. And, and they all tell me the same thing when I talk to them, well, we're going to release five or six songs and then we'll put out the album. Yeah. It's like, well, how much more is there to put out? Like four more tunes, <laughs> right. but, but there's no value in, a physical product really anymore to the bands. They, they don't make anything from it, but they can make concert money playing on touring on singles. So they're, they're, they're doing that now. The, what's crazy is how the, the industry has changed. And, you know, when the black album came out, I think there's a lot five singles off the black album, mm-hmm. but they were from 91 to like 94, you know, or oh, 93, yeah. you know, they were, they were spaced out over time, new video, new shirt design or whatever for those certain songs. But yeah, now there's seven songs are out before the album is even out. Yeah. Well, and, and how long has it been since they started releasing them? Like November? Summer. Yeah. It was like yeah. last summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's fairly cool. Well, I mean, even, even the work up now to an album, the, the standard press or not press run, but you know, logistical run is what three songs before. And then a song on the day of, re- of release. Yeah. Or three, vid- two lyric videos, one real video, and then a song on the day of release. So that's four songs before you ever buy it for most people. Yeah, that's insane, man. How everything's how everything's working these days, and uh-huh. uh, you know we're just living in a different time, Chris. We are. I it's, I don't know. I honestly, I'm you know envious of guys like Maddie from Memphis May Fire because if you can eke out a career without. 30 years of heritage time yeah right now man you're doing something good because dude there's so many bands that are out there that just can't do it because there's no money to make other than other than touring and nobody's gonna go and see a band that they've never heard of yeah i mean they've got a they've got a nice little thing going on down there and and he's good friends with cody from wage war and they're down there in nashville and jelly roll is down there in nashville and they're 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 working the spotify and that the streaming world in their favor like they're they're figuring out different ways because one thing i've noticed about the way these singles are being released it's not that they're releasing the single you go listen to the one song and it doesn't do anything else every time they release a new single next song is the last single they put out right and so you basically have basically a new ep each time they put out a new single so when you go to listen to the old song, the new song, you start listening to the old songs and then you kind of get back into a cycle of, of listening to the, to the album again, yeah. rather than just releasing a full 10, 12 out 12 track album and listening to it a couple of times. You're like, Oh yeah, it was cool. But I like, you know, like the old stuff better, or, you know, they sold out, <laughs> right. or, you know, whatever, whatever you're going to get online and say about the, uh, the new stuff. Yeah. 
Well, it works. I know for you, you're just following these Nashville bands looking for tickets to next year's Titans games. <laughs> right. I'm trying to, who has Titans tickets? <laughs> you, bottom line, if you know everybody in Nashville, somebody's going to have a suite for every game and you can there piggyback in, right? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm like the only person to ever move away from Nashville because of music. Really? <laughs> well, I mean, I moved to Louisville because of Primer 55. They were they yeah. were based out of Louisville. So, you know, everybody else moves to Nashville to become famous. And I was like, right. I'm going to go join a band in Louisville. Yeah. How'd that work for you? <laughs> <laughs> I get to say on my uh, on all of my things, former Primer 55 bassist. Yeah. Dude, you know, and I know we got other stuff to talk about. I'm just curious for you. I was talking to um, Matt, who I do the um, my other shit with. And um, we were talking about how Downset got signed to Nuclear Blast and how yeah. how more and more it seems like this is the time that the 90s bands oh, are yeah. becoming the 80s bands. Oh, you yeah. Know, it, se- it seems like the resurgence has now moved to the 90s bands. And I, I, I immediately was like, man, are we going to see a primer, somewhat <laughs> of a primer reunion? And I broached I broached that to him, and he was like, "Well, it makes sense." And I was like, "You know, I, I think Bobby would probably do that, right?" Yeah, I mean, we would have to find a singer. Um, but yeah, that, I that, know. That was the one thing. There was really no other than Jason and Bobby. There was never a true nucleus of the band. You know, it's not like right. there was a, a you know a bass player or a drummer that was consistent through the whole thing. Right. So I mean, you would you would either you know, I would hope I would be a part of it, you know, maybe get Preston on drums, Bobby on guitar. And then we would find a say, we, we actually talked about doing a few shows back pre pandemic. Okay. Um, because 2020 would have been the 20th anniversary of the first album. Right. So, so we were technically in works of, you know, getting a band together to do a couple of shows. Okay. That's a couple of shows, but let's say that they got offered, I don't know the the corn tour or something, right? Or, or some corn tour that's like four months long. Are you doing that? That would be hard. That would be hard to turn down. <laughs> really? You know they always talk about Peter Steele back in the day. Like he didn't want to tour because he had a good job with the city. Yeah, you know, and he liked where he was. He liked everything going on. He didn't want to tour because of of this job that he had. And so now, and I'm in my forties, and I have a good job and stable life and everything else you know do you want to throw it all away for a four-month corn tour right you know that that's not gonna there's probably not gonna be anything at the end of it kind of deal sure i mean do you think your job would let you take like a leave of absence to do that or would they be like beat it no i pretty much would have to quit i think (laughs) (laughs) so you would literally be willing to start your life over for that one four-month jump it would be hard to say no to Really? But, I mean, don't you think it would be hard to say no to a four month corn tour? No, nope. you know, you're, you're playing in front of, you know, 10, 12 thousand people a night, upwards of more than that. That'd be fun. But you know what? There's a lot of things fun that I don't do anymore. Cause I'm too old for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just, I don't know that I could, I mean, you're literally staring, you know, without getting all into what your job is. Cause I don't know if you've ever said what you do or not on, on the show, but um, I cannot fathom where you're literally what ten ten years or so away from actually retiring with a solid retirement on this deal. To yeah, just say, would... well, but corn, you know, <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't think I could do it. I, yeah. I, I would be the one to be like, I'd be the one crawling to the phone at the end going. Dude, I don't know how to tell you this, but I just don't think I can quit my gig in order to go right. out. I know it's a great opportunity, and if I can help you find the next bass player, I will. You know, that would be me, the somber douche guy. I think what would happen in 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 a real world scenario, a primer would would be a band that plays Rocklahoma, a band that plays yeah. Louder Than Life, band that plays you know plays some festivals, some weekend stuff. You know, similar to maybe like what, you know, your, your friends in Dawkins do, you know, like sure. go out for a weekend, you know, do a do a casino with edema and cold chamber, you know, like like something mm. like that, you know, and, and kind of put a little package here and there together. It definitely I don't think it's definitely uh, uh, a corn, a four month corn tour type no. of band. 
it's but it could very well be the opening band for uh i don't know this is this band doesn't fit primer at all but like a candle box type of yeah level you know i I don't know who would be that level in the more metal world from the uh, 90s like, that still exists but you, you know something like a I'm, I'm actually just reading your your background i mean like a drowning pool or something like that like <laughs> yeah like, you know you could see a drowning pool primer you know a short run something like that i don't i don't think it would be anything major sure but, but drowning it, pool doesn't go and do weekend gigs they play non-stop don't they no yeah i mean they're a touring entity yeah yeah i mean so. if they were to bring you on it would be for like months <sighs> I'm just saying it would have to be, it would, it would be a package <laughs> weekend thing. And don't think we haven't talked about it. <laughs> no. Toomey quits his, gives up his career so he could tour with soil. No, there we go. I don't think that's <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. It would definitely be like a, but it would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, fly and do a, a, a gig here and there. I don't, but it wouldn't, I, it basically, basically all the bands, that do that type of stuff you know how much vacation time do you have at work right (laughs) can i use a can i use a sick day to go play rocklahoma sure now what all right i'm I'm gonna just pose this to you as well what if this whole thing came up and it was like i I know it's just for a week or whatever but would you take a week and blow your your summer up to go and play the vakken stage Ooh. Because the '90s bands are gonna be there soon yeah. enough, they're gonna move to those bands eventually. Would you go and do that, and then mix in whatever else is, you yeah. know, small countries over there? That that that's another thing that would be tough to turn down. I mean, just the, just the tra- hundred thousand people. The, yeah, I mean, it's vodka. I mean, how do you turn yeah. down turn that down, yeah. especially for for you know for some primer? But yeah, it's it's. I would I would have to. Uh, have a long conversation because you know, got the wife and the kids and all that stuff too. So you can't just, Hey, I'm yeah. going to Europe. I'm out. Uh, your chick would be like, what, when are we leaving? That would be right. your girl. Your girl, <laughs> your girl doesn't seem like the type to be like, Oh, I don't think you should go. She'd be like, when am I going? You know, and right. do I get a first class seat? <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw, I saw one of those random uh, uh, articles online the other day about, I guess, I guess, a guy and a girl went to get on the flight and they upgraded the guy to like first class. And it was like a 13 hour flight. Oh. And you know, the, the woman, <laughs> the wife was just like railing him online. Oh, I'll bet. Such, a, such an <laughs> asshole. He was. That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, speaking of assholes, we can get yes. into this one. Uh, All right. Chris Barnes. <laughs> yeah. Has, has somehow just uh, completely destroyed his his uh his good name in the uh, death metal circles man he is just he's lost his mind dude well that's the probably the best way to put it he has lost his mind and just some of the shit that he is putting out on social media he is the perfect example of a guy that should not have a twitter account because (laughs) he's just killing you know i i mean up until quite literally six weeks ago this guy is the first name that when you talk about death metal, he's name number one right. that everybody spits out of their mouth when they talk about death. Well, it's Chris Barnes, and then it's, you know, whoever, whoever behind Chris Barnes. Yeah. And all of a sudden, him posting out there that death metal is dead and there's no good death metal bands now. And the only good death metal, I think that's the one that really pissed everybody off was he said, there's no good death metal vocalist except him <laughs> right. and it's like dude and i think that's like his on his twitter or instagram or one of them you know you have like the one line bio i yeah. think that's his one line bio is the <laughs> right. only good death metal vocalist is me and it's like dude why would you do that the people have finally stopped with the whole cannibal corpse hate and they're accepting six feet under and cannibal right. corpse separate and not always comparing them and he just had to put it buried back in everybody's face. It's like, dude. And the worst part is he's coming off a terrible record where Corpse Grinders awesome. I don't know if you've yeah. heard that record yet, the solo record that he's I doing haven't. with Jamie Josta. Yeah. It is awesome. So he's going to look even worse when the Corpse Grinder record comes out with him throwing barbs at, at Cannibal Corpse and Corpse Grinder. He's coming off of his lap 
lump of shit record that he just put out. <laughs> right. You know, it, oh, I, I can't believe this guy just torched his career in, in a month. Yeah. In one month, his career is kind of dead now. <laughs> yeah. I was messaging with, uh, with stay puffed who did the not fest death metal round table. I mean, all that yeah. stuff, all that stuff, you know, came from, from a from not fest live, uh, live death metal round table that, that stay right. puffed mallow over there uh hosted and i was like man it's crazy you know how much uh how much clickbait came from that and how much hate came from chris barnes and then you know my, my history with chris barnes is my first ever concert ever mm-hmm. was cannibal corpse on the bleeding tour wow uh, at, at, a, at a small in like 1994 at a small venue in nashville and it's the first rock star I ever met Chris Barnes. Like we, no kidding. Me and a friend of mine went, went outside and he was like, dude, that's Chris Barnes right there. And we were like Chris Barnes. And he was so cool to us back then. And, right. and then, uh, I I've never been a huge fan of six feet under, but I also didn't really stay a fan of cannibal corpse either. Like those okay. first few cannibal corpse albums are fantastic. And I just kind of fell off, uh, when, when the split happened. Okay. See, I love, I I'm dual love for both bands. I, I haven't liked the Chris Bar the Six Feet Under stuff, the last, well, the last one, really. Yeah. But but even the one before, what was that called? Taunt or something? That was that was pretty solid. I I yeah. liked that one. Um, you know, he's hit or missed the last few, but come on, Warpath is just that that that's top fiver for me. And Cannibal had that. Cannibal had that period of time after Barnes left where they really were kind of rudderless. You know, they, they just didn't have it together, but then they put it together, you know, vile is especially that's the one that that's such a, such a dose of brutality and, right. you know, and everything, even the album that they put out last year was really, really good. So, you know, I, I'm a fan. I'm, they're two different singers. And that's the, that's the thing is I know in death metal, if you're not into death metal, right. then you think everything sounds like, you know, and you don't know. And you can't really tell the difference, but if you listen to a lot of it, and especially if you listen to Barnes versus corpse grinder, they're very different vocally, very different style. Yeah. You know, Barnes has that more guttural, almost like out of a horror movie sound where corpse grinder is definitely more higher octave more more audible you can certainly understand a lot of what he's saying a whole lot more than barnes's stuff and you know they're two very different singers so for for barnes to be just sabotaging his career cuz he's he's got to understand that everybody that likes him likes cannibal corpse right you know, Cannibal Corpse didn't, it's not like they, Chris Barnes left and they started, you know, playing bowling alleys or something. <laughs> they right. never, they never saw any decrease in, in people. And that should tell him right away that just because he left, that the people stayed with Cannibal Corpse and took on six feet under. And now I'm sure you saw the article where, where they played a gig. Um, Cannibal played a gig last night or something. And um, people were chanting, fuck Chris Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, how does that happen? How do you let that happen to your career? Right. Insane. Yeah. Too crazy, man. Like I, those, those first few cannibal course records are, are untouchable. Oh, um, man. you know, another speaking of death metal, another thing going on this year is, is Deicide's going out and playing Legion in its entirety, uh, for like a, like a 30th anniversary, you know, tour. I'm like, man, I got to see that. Yeah. Dude, I've seen I've seen DSI a few times. They're always solid. I'll be honest, I miss seeing them in the littlest clubs though. Yeah. I got to see the I forget what the album's called, but the one with Blame It on God. You know, <laughs> that's every album. That's every <laughs> album. But, but there's an actual song called Blame yeah. It on God. And um and I saw them at this little club here in Cleveland called Peabody's. And it was the old Peabody's, which was it might have held 200 people, maybe. And it was like half full right. and it, it was so empty that he was like, what do you guys want to hear? And you'd just hear one guy yelling, yelling out a song name. <laughs> you, and, Don. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and he'd be like, okay. You know, and then he would, just, then they would just one, two, three, four and play blitz through it. 
And it, it was just so cool to see in that environment. I've seen them in big environments too, like world series of metal and stuff. And great, great performer, kind of a weirdo. I don't know if you've ever met Glenn, but he's, I've he, definitely interviewed him a couple of times. <laughs> he definitely comes off the way you'd expect him to come off. Right. You know, he doesn't, you don't interview him and he's not like, Hey, what's up? How you been? You know, he's like, what can I do for you? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? Too funny, man. Uh, you, let's talk about some beer, man. You want to talk about some beer? I'd rather drink it, but I guess we could talk about it. <laughs> uh, the Knotfest Beer Pit is back. The February installment includes collabs from Deftones and Municipal Waste, plus an IPA inspired by the legendary CBGB's venue and a Cigar City Spotlight. Boxes curated before the aggressive music culture by the rock and roll beer guy himself, Eddie Torres, and will be delivered right to your door with additional gifts from the breweries. Also, be sure to check out the Slayers box featuring European standouts only available through Knotfest Beer Pit. Order quantities of four or eight, no subscription required. The Knotfest Beer Pit is the most metal beer box. What is the Slayer thing called? Rain and Suds? <laughs> I don't think this is actually Slayer. I think this is just called the Slayers box. Oh, the Slayers box? Yeah. Like Britney Slayers? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, it's probably more Britney Slays than, than right. Slayer the band. Right. Okay. I did want to bring up a, a name that, that passed away today as we recorded, and uh, a comedian, okay. the amazing Jonathan. And you were saying you'd never heard of him before. Um, growing up in in the 90s, he kind of had a, like, a, like a Comedy Central special that, I mean, it was just goofy, silly hacky magic that was never worked you know and and but he but he kind of you know he had a mullet and he was wearing the uh the uh uh oh god what band was that what's what's the what's the bit like a lover boy band you know he kind of had that going on and stuff but he you know as a young kid got into him thought he was hilarious uh we went and saw him in the 90s at a, at a, at a Zanies in Nashville. And okay. the guy, I, went, I was like 18 or 19, I think. And the guy we went with knew our server. And so she goes, what do you want to drink? And at 18, 19, I just yelled out, oh, Long Island iced tea. And she was like, okay. And then she went away. And so like as a novice drinker, here right. I am pounding Long Island iced teas. <laughs> And like, I literally fell over, like I was laughing and <laughs> fell over and my friend's just laughing at me. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, after the show met the amazing Jonathan, he signed my ticket and all that stuff. But it, you know, just one of those dudes that, that, uh, we bought, you know, me and my singer, my old band bonded over and, sure. and, uh, just, just sad to see him go. He, there was, a, there's a couple of documentaries out about him. Um, he get, you know, he, he, he kind of took a, took a, took a, took a bad path in life and, but judging by the house and stuff that he has in the, in the, uh, in the documentaries, man, he went to Vegas and, and cashed in, uh, you know, at the residencies and all that nonsense. And sure. So, but yeah, he died pretty early. I think he's only like what? 62, I think is what he, what he died yeah. at. Wow. Young, but you, you know what, dude? And, and you know, I, I'm not casting an aspersion on all of them, but most co- comedians and I know quite a few. Yeah. They're pretty fucked up in the head. You know, there's, there's a reason that their, their comedy comes out of absolute tragedy and yeah, you know, it, it just, it's such a weird thing that, and that's most, I mean, you know, this man, you've, you've dealt with how many bands and how many of those guys are you, are you not surprised when they die at 52 or whatever, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, well, it, entertainment when, breeds it. Well, when you're, I think when you're a co- comedian, I mean, you go to a city, you do two shows Friday, three shows Saturday, two shows on a Sunday, every night in a bar, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- terrible hours and mm-hmm. everybody wants to buy you a shot. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a crazy life to live. Oh yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to buy you a shot. And you, you, when, you know, you get to the Sunday, you're looking for that bump of Coke to get you through, <laughs> right? you know, to get you up to, to, to tell the same joke that you just told, you know, three times, three times in two nights you know, and still do the same delivery and make it funny and, you know, not just be like, and then the rabbit came out of the hat. <laughs> Anybody, right. you know, yeah, you know, it, it, I would never want to be a comedian. That, that's, it just seems like a, a tough, tough life. And, you know, you know, I have a, I do web work for Dave Landau, who's a yeah. 
pretty well-known comedian these days from Louder with Crowder. And, you know, he tells me just horror stories and even, even like regular stories, like, you know, that aren't really horrible. It just sounds like a terrible life. Like, you know, <laughs> right? well, like, like when he played here, he, he plays a place called the funny stop here, which is in a town called Cuyahoga Falls. And he knows all about this little podunk town. Yeah. He's like, yeah, they're the last town in America that has an Arthur Treacher's. And, you know, and it's like, <laughs> well, how do you know that? It's like, cause he has nothing to do. Right. You know, he has, he has nothing to do and he's just famous enough to where he can't just go and hang out somewhere. So he, he, he said he, he, he just spends all his time in his hotel room, in a movie theater or in the club. Yeah. It's like, man, that blows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, you can make some good money doing that, but yeah, it's a very weird existence because yeah. even, even in my touring days, you would, you would get to a city early, go do sound check and whatnot, but you would have like from noon until the show bored out of your mind. Mm-hmm. And you play a show and you're having the time of your life. But then as soon as like everybody wants to talk to you, they have to leave. <laughs> right. So like, and then you, then you're on to the next town. It's, it's a, it's a very bizarre right. existence. And it's amplified even more if you're, I don't know, Jonathan Davis or David Draymond or somebody right. that's instantly recognizable Yeah. to where you can't, you know, you were bored. So what did you do? You went to the local mall or the local. Yeah you know, the local, whatever, well, Alice Cooper ain't going to the mall, you know, or, or Mick Jagger or whatever, right. you know, they, you know, can you imagine being, it, it's one thing to be that kind of famous where, okay, well you have a zillion dollars and you could, you could do yeah. what you want. But when you're, when you're kind of mid-level famous, like a Phil Anselmo, yeah. Phil is, Phil is very famous, but he's not that famous. You know, he's not, he's not Metallica famous. Right but he's just famous enough to where he couldn't him and his, his chick Kate couldn't go out and just kind of walk around without a hundred douchebags coming up to him and going, Cowboys from hell, dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you sing know. this love for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's kind of cool. You brought up right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you bring up Phil and, um, as we were getting ready for the, for this, uh, you know, chat between you and I, yeah. um, I was I was looking online to see what we could talk about, and the, the there's an interview I watched about 10, 15 minutes of it. Okay, but it's a it's a it's a joint interview between Phil and Rex and uh, Revolver Magazine, um, and I posted this on my on my Facebook. But I was like, rarely do I get jealous of an interview, right? But this one I'm super jealous of because I mean it's it's all about vulgar display of power. Phil and, and Rex are bouncing stories off of each other. Rex is like, do you remember when we wrote this love? And he's like, Oh my God, I wrote it because of this. And they're right. there. It's more of them two talking about it and kind of reminiscing about it than the actual, you know, moderator interviewer. So it's, it's so far so good, man. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Right. Well, I think we're going to have to both hit up Liz and be like, how come that's not us? <laughs> yeah. Like what's going on, man? Yeah. Why didn't we get it? Who's, who did get it? Who's, who's doing it? Revolver. Yeah, Revolver got one, and then um, like the Pit got one with Phil. the Pit. <laughs> yeah, Notfest yeah. is bigger than the Pit. <clears throat> you would think so. I would think so. Come on, and again, <laughs> not shit on the Pit. I get their their email every day, and it's inst- it, it's it, it's clickbait to me every yeah. time I get whatever from them. I'm like, oh, really? You know, and I click on it. <laughs> right. So I'm not shitting on the Pit at all, but Notfest is bigger than the Pit. Come on. The pits kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I, 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 you know, very few things kind of start out one way and then, and then it kind of get to a certain level very fast. And I think the pits, one of them that did has done very well for themselves. They have, but for God's sakes, I, as I pointed out this week on my Facebook, I'm featured in a Pantera book for God's sakes. <laughs> right. We should get a Pantera. And, and how many times have between me and you, how many times have we interviewed the Pantera guys? A lot. I, I, between you and I probably 20 interviews <laughs> Seriously. 18 for you two for me, but yeah, no, you, <laughs> you you've, all, you've had more than two. Well, I did. The, you know, you? I, well, yeah. With Phil, I think I've only done two, but you've interviewed, but Rex. then I did, I did what well, I've never interviewed Rex. No, no. I interviewed Terry date. That was right. awesome. And, uh, you know, just Terry glaze, uh, Terry glaze. Yeah. I've had like th- three interviews with Terry glaze. So, I might as well. I'm, I think I'm like the the fifth member of Pantera at this point. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I I definitely you're you're joking about 18 interviews with me and them, but 
I probably have done 18 interviews between the four guys and, yeah. you know, booked meet and greets with those guys and introed the band numerous times and, you know, sang with the band one time. And, <laughs> there you, go. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I've had a million Pantera experiences, all of which says we should have got that interview. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. We'll have, we'll have to hit up Liz and be like, what's going on here. But yeah. yeah. And say, we'll do it for not fest. Yeah. Come on. Well, dude, we should really do that. <laughs> Not even kidding. I know we're having a business meeting all of right. a sudden, but we should absolutely have Phil and Rex on. And I will even wave my I hate Rex clause to do that. <laughs> Too funny, man. Too funny. Well, uh, let's dive into some uh, to, to some current Memphis May Fire. I will uh, I will interview Maddie Mullins of the wonderful Memphis May Fire. And then Chris and I will be back with you momentarily. Not the same as he used to be And I'm afraid it's pointing back at me I have to question what I still believe I just hope I find the missing piece Feels like every day's the same Chemicals inside my brain Make me think I'm in a simulation Nothing ever seems to change And it's written on my face Am I living in my own creation? Alright guys, let's welcome back to the show Matty Mullins of Memphis May Fire. New album, Remade in Misery, out June 3rd on Rise Records. Man, Matty, how have you been? Been good, man. Yeah, I've been good. Really stoked about getting these new tunes out and finally uh, being able to announce the the whole album. So. so you had like seven songs on this album already come out. <laughs> you know, yep. there's only like I think five left. Um how have you enjoyed that process of kind of just releasing a little bit here and there? I mean, as a fan, I'm loving it, man. You're like, it's like a little bit of a little bit every, every few months you get a little bit more of the new album. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, that was the goal from the jump. You know, it's like, if we would have said we have an album coming, you know, six months ago, people would have just been like, Oh, you know, but it, at the end of the day, it's like the way that music is being consumed now and how short the attention span can be just because of like, all these different playlists and singles that come out like all the time. It's like, we wanted to be able to put music out in a way that it could be digested properly. You know, people aren't going to the store and buying a CD and putting it in their CD player and jamming it front to back anymore. It's like, you know, it's like whatever song is got the little star next to it and is on whatever playlist. It's like, that's what I'm hearing. And it's on to the next one. And we felt like every song on this record deserve to have spotlight for a little bit of time and this is the only way to do it and so i'm actually really stoked on how it turned out yeah i don't know how it's how it's doing on like a spotify spotify wise but what i've liked about it is every time a new one comes out you also revisit the the ones that that are already out so it's like you know you get american dream you go back and listen to you know an older track or something like that so so yeah. I, I don't know the the ins and outs of the business model the way it is today but it's got to be, you know, uh, you know, helpful for you guys kind of, uh, kind of getting those numbers up, uh, the way you're releasing them. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And it's like, for me, I never really pay a lot of attention to numbers. I know that, you know, we've had more playlisting with this format than we've ever had in the past, just because it gives like Spotify editors and everybody like a chance to actually digest songs as they come rather than just getting a whole album and being like, which of these songs do we want to put on playlists? Right. But, right. you know, giving, our fans the opportunity to really hear a song and digest a song and pay attention to a song and understand the meaning of a song before another one drops has just been like a really cool, it's been a really cool way to do it. And I, I, I can't say that there's been anything about it that has been like a bad thing for us. So, so, so this album, I'm not a lyric guy. I've never been like diving into the lyrics, but I was like, I'm going to dive into these lyrics and 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 see what's going on and it seems a lot of like a lot of self-reflection in this album and a lot of uh you know you know you you use the word demons a few times through these songs and just kind of dealing with your own personal life am i am i on the right track there 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, like that's why the record is called Remade in Misery. Um, I guess it's another way of saying, you know, Forged in the Fire. I think that the absolute worst and hardest moments of our entire lives are the ones that shape us. You know, it's never the the best memory. It's never the, you know, perfect vacation. It's never like the, oh, this thing worked out so perfect for me that that makes you who you are. It's the hardest times that we go through that force us to grow. And I think that, you know, this album is a collection of some of the worst and hardest moments that we've been through as a band and as individuals um, that have brought us to where we are today. And as tough as they are and as hard as it would be to say, like, if I could go back, I would do that over again. uh, We wouldn't be who we are today without it. And that's how we've been remade in misery. There seems to be a lot of maturity on this album, too. Do you feel like you've kind of grown up, uh, you know, with this album, too? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've said that in the past about about previous records as well. But what's funny about this one is that I feel like the most growth that we've ever had as a band during this cycle has come from us trying to rediscover the roots of what actually gave us a platform to begin with. You know, so it's like for a lot of bands, it's like, and for us, for for a long time, you're always trying to like, how do I reach this new audience? How do I do this new thing? How do I go above and beyond? But with this record, we were just like, well, what was it that we were so excited about when there wasn't a million voices in our ears and a million plans and all these things happening around us that makes life so chaotic? You know, what was it that was the foundation of why we started creating music to begin with. And I think that we rediscovered that in a pretty big way. I was listening to like the new stuff today, like I said, but then I also kind of just went to a, a, a career spanning, you know, uh, where we're just kind of shuffled everything. And and the one thing I noticed about the newer songs is, is where maybe in the past you would kind of scream, maybe a verse this one, you're doing a little bit more, not necessarily new metal, but a little bit more rhythmic, uh, uh, you know, vocal patterns through the, through the uh, verses and singing courses like you always have. So, I mean, it was that kind of a, a, a choice that you made there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and there's even more of that to come, you know, and, and I'm actually really stoked about it. It's, it felt like something that I've always wanted to do and never had the confidence to try. And that's, you know, one of the beauty, one of the beautiful things about, you know, just having been stuck at home for two years is that you, are like, well, what if I did this? And what if I had the time to actually try this and not feel rushed? And then you do something, you discover it in, in a whole new way. And, and, uh, so yeah, I mean like on death inside and then, you know, there's a song coming called misery that, um, is what the album was actually named after. Um, and that's got kind of that same, that same flow, that same feel. And it's, uh, it's something that I'm excited about trying even more. So when you write a lyric like I need a he said, she said, reset, do you just like throw your hands up in the air and you're just like, I'm a lyrical genius, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was really stoked on that line for sure. Yeah. I love lyrics that flow something that like, if you just said it in sentence, like in conversation with someone, you'd be like, oh, well, that felt really cool coming out of my mouth. Um, I love that type of lyric because it's so singable. It's so memorable it's so like if you can make a sound feel good physically it's addictive almost right yeah and uh and that line kind of felt like that and it was it was a special moment for sure yeah (laughs) the answer is yes (laughs) yeah i was listening like i said diving into lyrics today and i i pulled that one out i was like did he just say what i think he said like yeah you know that's just got to be one of those like i can't either you're in the in the you know jam room or you're in the studio or whatever and you just like cannot wait for the guys to hear this type stuff yeah totally i would definitely never consider myself a lyrical genius but i do like i do like when lyrics feel right it's almost like a riff or a section of a song is waiting for the right thing to complement it and then when you find that you're just like there's nothing there's nothing else that i would rather have in this spot so yeah, in that, in that spot, it felt good. <laughs> at, at what point in the band do you feel like you, you stopped writing music in the jam room that just like felt good to where you started writing music because you knew a crowd was going to do a certain thing because of, you know, you guys have very, you know, you know, uh, accessible parts, but then also the breakdowns come in and like, you can just imagine, you know, what a sea of uh, a festival is going to do. 
Yeah, I think that that shift kind of happens as you start to play bigger shows and and observe bands that are playing bigger shows and all those things where you're just like, man, like I have to not only think about how this feels in a set of headphones, but I have to think about how this feels to a sea of people standing in front of me that came to like bleed out this emotion the way that I'm wanting to bleed this emotion out. And how do we connect not only on a lyrical level, but on a sonic level. And you start to kind of observe music from a live setting in a way that you didn't before that. So we definitely thought about that a lot with this record. Um, We knew that we would be touring as much as we possibly could and wanted to to feel that reaction live in a way that we've never had before. And so I would say maybe on this record more than ever before, we've, we've actually kind of tried to, to hone in on that. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of parts where you could just, you know, you, you feel it in your headphones, but you also like, do you do visualize that, uh, that sea of people? Yeah. Um, speaking of sea of people, I mean, last time I saw you uh, louder than life here in, in Louisville, and uh, I think you guys jumped on that show last minute. How did that all come together? It was cool. Yeah. Um, there was a band that had to drop off last minute. And that show was the day after the last show of our tour with Breaking Benjamin and Papa Roach. And so we were already going to be driving home to Nashville. Um, and so we were like, well, we might as well, we might as well take that. That's awesome. You know, we're so stoked to to do it. Um, cause we're, we're going to be on our way home anyways. The only thing that sucked is that tour buses are so hard to get right now because so many bands are touring and like coming back and like doing like makeup shows and everything that the bus that we were on for that Papa Roach breaking Benjamin tour had to get to the airport the day of that, <laughs> right. uh, of that festival. So the last day of the breaking men Papa Roach tour, we had to l- cross load everything into a U-Haul truck. And then we had to drive in a in a van and a u-haul truck down to that show to get there and then fly back from the festival so it was it was kind of like a chaotic time but it was worth it it was really cool it was a fun time yeah i mean it's definitely <laughs> that's crazy that they're there that jam-packed but i mean you know with, with everything kind of reopening a little bit and, and and tours should be happening i did notice one thing there's been a few festivals for this summer uh popping up and you guys aren't on it you know new album coming out I, I skimmed over the uh, the when we were young fest. I was like, Memphis Fire Fire's got to be on this, right? And then the uh, I think Aftershock was uh, announced today. Didn't see your name on that, man. What's going on? Yeah, we have our own uh, summer plans that haven't been announced yet. And um, sometimes you just like you can route around festivals like that. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out, and you always know like if we don't do them this year, we'll do them the next. And and what we have in the in store is is going to be awesome. So. When you saw that lineup for the When We Were Young Fest pop out, though, were you kind of like, I kind of want to be on that? Kind of. I mean, like looking at it from the perspective of someone who's played a lot of festivals, you're just like, how is that possible? And it looks right. like chaos. Like it looks <laughs> right. like to a fan, like just looking at a flyer, being like, I can't wait to go to this. It's like the most magical thing you've ever seen on a flyer. But to me, it looked like, you know, like someone trying to squeeze, you know, a pillow into a pinhole. You're just like, how is this, how is that possible? And so, you know, like I I think that we're, we're really stoked for them and stoked for all the bands that are playing. I think it'll be a really cool thing, but I'm even more excited to kind of watch it unfold and let them work out the kinks of the first time they do this. Um, If they do it again, uh, it would be cool to jump on it after those things have been worked out. You know, it was pretty nice. I mean, normally you see a festival lineup pop up and you know, very top heavy down to like baby bands you've never heard of. Sure. And like, and like that was like very like top heavy all the way down. You're like, Oh my God, like it kept going to bands that you wanted to see, man. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun festival. It's mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, so the, the names on that flyer, I was just like, that's, it's going to be an unbelievable experience. Oh yeah. But you also have the, uh, the, you know, Memphis may fire dance, Gavin dance volumes and uh moon tooth tour coming up, man. That's going to be awesome to get back out. Yeah, it'll be really cool. Um, and day one of that tour is actually in my hometown where I grew up, Spokane, Washington. And, um, that'll be just a crazy way to start a tour. Cause we haven't played there in years. So we're really stoked about that tour, man. I mean, we haven't toured with dance Gavin in years and years and 
it'll just be a, a rad, you know, reunion. And, and I think the whole lineup is sick. It'll be a good time. So I recently had head from corn on the show and we talked a little bit about you. Um, not only being, being on the love and death, uh, live stream, but also he, I asked him about you and he totally went left, left field and just started talking about barbecue. So tell me, <laughs> like, tell me about barbecuing for head. And I mean, he's like, he's like talking about how you had, you know, sponsors and everything else, man. It's great. I mean, barbecue has become like a big part of my life over the last few years, just because during the pandemic, having something so rad to kind of like focus on that you can do at home and get great at, um, was just really mentally healthy for me. So I dove into it really hard and I love, I love the community aspect of it. I love feeding my friends. I love feeding my friends like good food, not just like come over and have pizza. Right. (laughs) And so just all of it was therapeutic and, and amazing for me, but the actual like obsession kind of set in, you know, like as well. And you're just like, Oh, I want to be like great at this. And so, yeah, I'm connected with some companies in, in like kind of the barbecue world that have been really fantastic to me snake river farms and Traeger, um, and I'm actually flying out to a Traeger summit next month in Salt Lake city and just going to go and like <laughs> hang out with all these people that are so much better than me at barbecue and just kind of learn from them. It'll be really cool. Um, but what's funny about head saying that is that I've texted him so many times when we've done like, you know, bigger items like briskets and like cool stuff and everything. And the night that he came over, I was making like hot dogs. This like Wagyu hot dogs. They were great hot dogs, but yeah. regardless, they were just like hot dogs. Right. And he came over and we were eating and I was like, how is this the meal that you came over for? So we got to get him over to the house for like a, something a little more special. How insane is it for you to have just head coming over to eat hot dogs? Oh bro. I mean, wild. <laughs> and I mean, we had head and uh, Chris Caraba were at the house that night. Jesus. And so it was like the both spectrums of like all of the like musical tastes and everything that like shaped my entire childhood. And we were just sitting around the fire and eating hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. So talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the, the live stream you did with them and doing white flag, you know, how, how cool was that? Nerve wracking, dude. I mean like, yeah, I like to, to perform on the same stage as head and everything and just, um, get to share like an intimate moment like that with a song that, um, I didn't even have anything to do with. I just was like, I just wanted to do it service. Like I just wanted to, to, to do it justice. Right. I wanted to like, show up and just do my part and get them stoked and then bounce and not be in the way at all. Kind of is how I felt. And so it actually went really cool. And you know, the rest of the guys that play with him are are buddies of mine. And the guy that was filming it is a buddy of mine. And so it was a, it was a special day for sure. I think we've talked about this when you're on the, uh, on the Twitch thing, but uh, you know, I grew up in Nashville and it's crazy now for me to, to look back on the nineties and early two thousands of Nashville and then look at what it is now. You know, you got you guys, you got jelly roll, you got, uh, uh um, uh, wage war, like all those yeah. guys just hanging out in Nashville now. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's with, you know, the, the, you know, Brett Michaels of the world and Cinderella guys and things, you know, you've got so many different genres hanging out in Nashville now. Um, what is it for you to, to just kind of, you know, you go out, I mean, head head told the story of, you know, he went out with his family. You were out with your family when you guys met, like downtown and like, Hey, you know, and exchange numbers, like running into people like that and, uh, and just kind of furthering your, your career and friendships. I mean, that kind of stuff is wild, but it's really few and far between for me because I don't go downtown Nashville ever. Like I live in the suburbs. I live like South, South and I like it that way. We bought a house 40 minutes outside the city to try to not be around all the craziness. (laughs) But like I was literally with my mom, my sister, my nephew, my niece, and my wife. And we walked past this restaurant, like as we were in the same restaurant, but then we walked out and out on the patio, his head, but he wasn't with his family. He was with Kathy Lee Gifford, dude. <laughs> that is not a lie. Like All literally, right. literally sitting on, on the patio with Kathy Lee Gifford. And I was just like, there's no way I'm seeing what I'm seeing right now. And he was like, aren't you Maddie? And I was like, there's no way I'm hearing what I'm hearing <laughs> right. right now. It was like, it's just a wild moment. And I was just like, man, yeah, it is. It, we connected there and, and, uh, exchanged numbers. And then next thing you know, like I'm performing with them and we're eating hot dogs together. Right. So that kind of thing is, is awesome and crazy. But, um, for the most part, like we like our little local restaurants and our little like hangs out here. Cody from wage is obviously one of my best friends in the world. And we live just minutes apart and we're together all the time. And so that's, that's really special. But aside from that, I don't do a lot of the, like the handshakes and bars and all that kind of stuff downtown. I just don't, um, 
I, I avoid it if I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jelly roll was on here not too long ago talking about, he's like at a Titans game. And the next thing you know, like kid rocks calling him up to his, his, you know, suite and, and everything yeah. else is going on, man. So yeah, it, Nashville has definitely, uh, definitely turned into a, to a hotbed for music, man. No doubt. Dude, Jelly's such a sweetheart. Um, Great we played, we played Blue Ridge with him and, um, just such a, such a genuine person. And, we actually had a little like Instagram feud about who's better at barbecuing for a little while. And <laughs> I hope that comes to to life one day. We can actually get out and do a little competition. So he's got such a cool voice. Like it's, it's, it's real. It's a real voice. It's not classically trained, you know, it's such a, such a good soulful voice. Totally. And I mean, he means it, you know, that's, that's what I think that's, what's missing for, from so many vocalists is just like, I get it. Like someone wrote that song for you or I get it. You know, like you've got a great voice, but like, do you mean it? You know, like I think that people can tell even in our songs, man, like I'll be the first to admit that like we've put out songs in the past that were just like rushed that like albums, like we're just like, uh, you know, this tour and that tour and all these voices. And like, I got to put this out. And then you're just like, am I proud of that? Like, no. And, um, when you do feel it, the listener knows because the listener feels it too. And, um, it's something to be proud of. And I think that his music is just something that he feels it and, and won't put it out unless he feels it. It's kind of like how it feels with, with all the stuff that he's put out. So do you feel like, you know, you're like, all right, I, I got to hit these five keywords and I got to, you know, make sure that this subject is being talked about and things like that. Like, is that, is that what you're talking about there? Not really. I mean, like when you're rushing a record, it's more like, what do I say? I got to say, I got to, you know, figure out what I'm going to say. Cause I got to do this because Cause all I'm hearing is the 50 emails in my inbox about this next tour or like this merch design or whatever, like the business side of it. That's just so like can cloud things up so much. And that's what was so special about this new record remade in misery. Like we really came back to just the songs. It was just about the songs and how important that was to us. And then everything opens from there. Everything changes from there. And that's, that's what, that's what our fans are picking up on. That's what we are so excited about. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you get wrapped up in things, it's like, all right, we've got a few good songs. Like, let's write some other songs real fast. So we can get back out there and and keep doing the business side of things. And that will just kill music. That kills music, you know? And so we're we're really stoked to have kind of rediscovered who we are and looking forward to applying this method of being excited about something and having something to say to everything that we do forward and kind of just like pushing everything else to the wayside. Going back to to some of the lyric stuff we were talking about, you know, you were talking about you walk out and you see Head and Kathy Lee Gifford, you know, uh, yeah. and in the latest song Make Believe, you know, I I believe it's about depression, but it, but I also think it could be about success because it's like you know, I can't believe this is happening. Is this a simulation? Things like that. So there was there's kind of a double meaning there. I kind of got from it. I don't know which side you were going for, or if I was just you know making up stuff because I mean there's even days and you know where you know, I get a check from not fest and I'm like, is this real life? You know, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. so it's crazy, man, to, to, to kind of be doing what you want to do and it's, and it's happening. Totally. And I, and I definitely wouldn't want to, that's the beauty about lyrics is that it can be interpreted so many ways and people can take what they want from it. And it's so awesome for my, my personal experience with that song. You know, it's definitely 100% about depression. It's, it's, um, it's about, something even darker than depression. It's, it's, it's that your depression has gotten such a tight grip on you that you don't even understand what's real and what's not anymore. You know, like the feelings that you have on a day-to-day basis that you're dealing with the thoughts, the emotions, the interactions, everything starts to take shape in a way that you'd never even seen before. And you start to see the world in this like extremely dark lit, just, almost demonic way where you are questioning if anything that you've ever known is actually real. It's like, that's the kind of place that you can get to. And, um, that's what that song is about. Uh, but I, but I definitely am a huge advocate for, for therapy and, uh, and I'm, and I do therapy, I do therapy twice a week and I'm so stoked on it. And, um, I just feel like people need to hear songs like that to know that they're not the only one that is feeling that way, you know, if, if they have, and we need to constantly be reaching out to our friends and our family members, um, just checking in with them about their mental health and checking in and and nurturing our own mental health. 
Um, but yeah, that song is, uh, for me, it's, it's not about success. It's about the opposite. Right. So seven records in man, how, how tough is it tough to continue to, to write and, and, you know, come up with new ideas. I mean, I, I know you also write and do stuff for other people too, but I mean, seven records in, I mean, uh, you, know, you sit down and you're like, all right, we got to do a new Memphis may fire record. You know, where are we going to go with this? Is it tough to write, uh, you know, this many records in, I think that, um, inspiration just comes in so many different shapes and sizes. It's like, if you feel like you're, you don't have ideas to write about anymore, you're not acknowledging that you're still living, right? It's like, as long as we're living and breathing, there's always something around us that can inspire a song, whether it's something that we're going through or something that we know somebody who's going through or just something that you observed. And and I think that there's always songs to be written. There's always melodies and lyrics to be discovered. Um, and when you get into a place where you have writer's block, I think it's because your worldview might be a little too small in that moment. And if you step back, look at the bigger picture and you realize, I mean, there's so much going on. There's so many things to say. Um, it can remove a lot of that. Absolutely. Well, Maddie, as we kind of wind down here, I do want to say that, that at my first episode of 2022, I didn't do a best of 2021, you know, great, you know, my favorite album type stuff, but I did do album of the year was your collection of singles from this. Let's but go. I, but, I did, awesome. but I didn't realize that the new album is going to be out. So technically 2021 and 2022 record of the year could be you back to Josh, back. <laughs> bro. You are so awesome, man. Thank you so much. I, I mean, we have had the best time ever putting these songs out, just discovering this, whole new level this like rediscovery and this new discovery of like who memphis mayfire is and it's just been awesome so thank you for listening man and thank you for having me on here this is awesome absolutely man anytime and uh hopefully we will see you out on tour and then when you get the big uh, the big tour announcement for the uh, summer we'll have to talk about that too yeah come on out man we'd love to see you at a show Maddie Mullins of Memphis May Fire for checking in here with the Talk To Me podcast here notfest.com. Make sure you check out Remade in Misery, June 3rd, Rise Records. And uh, you can pretty much check out the entire album right now on your yeah, uh, streaming really? services because over half of it has already been released. But uh, one of my favorite newer bands uh, in this whole thing. And, and I, I, I told him after the interview, I was like, you know, I took the inter- the original interview because I liked what I heard, but you know, it wasn't like my favorite band ever. And then over time, and like, I'm a fan, like a f- almost fanboyed on him at the end there. Sure. Dude, they, they're a solid band. They're one of those. There's quite a few of those bands that are out there right now, the newer bands that are really, really good and just don't have quite the the reputation that everybody knows. But Memphis and a fire, they're, they're fantastic. I saw them at, uh, Jesus, this is like five years ago or something. It was yeah. this big big metal fest with like a and like all those types of bands yeah. out asking Alexandria and, and they were on it and they blew me away. They were so much better than like the bigger bands that came after them. Yeah. And then the only reason I was real, and this was kind of weird, but they played after seven dust, which made zero sense <laughs> to me other than, Seven Dust is always that band. They never get the respect they're due, but yeah, seven. If Seven Dust is on a festival, they are on at two thirty. Yeah, always, <laughs> which makes no sense, dude. And everybody I know loves them. Yeah, I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, they, they kind of suck. 
I don't know anybody that thinks that. Right. Yeah. Nobody goes, eh, seven dust. Nah, they're all right. <laughs> like, oh, everybody's like, oh, they're so good. How come they're not bigger? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a crazy thing. Yeah. Them and like anthrax. Anthrax is always like the four o'clock band. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anthrax, another one. They're always early, but that's good for me because I like both those bands. And a lot of times I don't like what's after them and I can leave. I will say that, that in, in a, in a very Eddie trunk thing that happened was, uh, he, so, so Maddie came on the not fest Twitch show. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Louder Than Life, and I'm in the media tent. But like, there was no media that day. Right. The media tent was basically like people covering the show could go to the tent and like grab a water, relax right. for a minute, and then go back out. Mm-hmm. So Maddie walks through it, and it's just me and my wife. And Maddie looks at me and he goes, "Hey, Josh, how you doing?" And I'm like, <laughs> "All right, my new favorite band." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "Where where do I put the tattoo on my arm?" Right. You just yeah, qualified. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so so yeah you know just people like that man that that just that you know you always talk about dio oh, yeah. remembering everything about you and stuff like that like like this give and take of like the journalism and the band members and things like mm-hmm. that i mean that, that that there's there's a lot there and for people to care enough to to re- remember names and faces sure. and things like that that's a, that's a cool thing dude it's all it, it's always cool when you build any relationship with these guys outside of this yeah you know i mean this is fine and you know we're all we're all kind of you know screen friends i guess you know we're all friends in the blip world but <laughs> right. you know when you when you actually get back with them and it's like, like me and Anselmo are, are pretty good friends and you know whenever i see phil he's like hey big brother how you doing bat you know and he's he yeah. just knows me and he he he'll bring up shit and you know zach wild's another one for me that you know he's the unofficial godfather of my kid and actually gave me a guitar <laughs> right that you know that now sits in my kid's room that's signed by him and ozzy you know and and i mean it's those kind of things it's like i'll do anything to promote a zach wild record now because right. that guy was unbelievably cool to me for years when he didn't have to be when i was just one of what a thousand journalists that he probably talked to but oh yeah all because I bought him a beer at the um, at the Omni one time in 1991. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, Mandy, have any uh, recommendations before we get out of here this week? Not a whole ton of stuff. I've been watching this um, for those, and I'm not one of these people, but there's a lot of people that love the cartoon stuff, you know, like the adult cartoon shows. There's one on 2B TV called The Freak Brothers. It's based okay. off a comic book. And the the basic premise to it is that these three dudes smoke some some super weed in in 1969, and it made them fall asleep for 50 years. Okay. And they wake up in today's world, so they're trying to adjust to today's world with their 1969 brains. And it's really it, there's nothing PC about it at all. So it's okay. every. You know, it's every bad stereotype you could think of just thrown at, at people. And it's, um, it's voiced by, um, Pete Davidson from oh, SNL okay. and, um, John Goodman and Woody Harrelson. So, oh, well, I mean, big it, names it, there. yeah, it's like legit people that are in it. And it's, um, if you like, I don't know, Archer or Bojack Horseman or stuff like that, you will probably like this. It's called the freak brothers. It's on Tubi. <laughs> So I don't really have a, a a recommendation of a certain movie or TV show, but I, I will say that I've been going back to the movie theater and okay. my, my youngest son, big into the movies like we, okay. and, and the evolution of the movie theater from like when I was a kid, where it's like long rows of like uncomfortable seats. Right. And now it's like, these we we have like the movie theater we go to you know you get the reclining love seat or the recliner and and you know the, and it just like you know this one we, we you can take a little throw blanket in with you because it's a little chilly in there you can just get all snugged up and watch the movie we, we went and saw that that movie uncharted with, okay uh with with uh the the spider-man and mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and uh you know it's not a movie i'm gonna recommend anybody go see good movie for a kid you know good kids movie and sure. good uh but it was a little too all right we found this part now where do we go now oh my god i just saw the clue like immediately saw the next clue and right. so we gotta keep you know it was a little too little too uh something there but yeah it was, it was overall decent movie you know good good saturday afternoon you know throw it on, sure. the, on the tv movie 
the one thing that this movie theater has that I think is the most ingenious uh, upgrade to the movies I've ever seen mm-hmm. is, you know, you, you know where you have the self-serve butter yeah. out, out in the lobby. They mm-hmm. have self-serve butter station right outside the door of your movie. Oh, wow. So, so like halfway through when, you know, you get to that, that dry popcorn, you could sneak out real quick. <laughs> throw some nice. more butter on there and, and walk right back in. I was nice. just like, whoever made this idea is, is fucking, <laughs> give them all the money. Right. Does your, does your movie theater have the bar, the open bar? Uh, you know, I don't know about that. I know we do have one like that around here, but I always take my little one with me. So I don't, I don't right. know if, if I, I think it has beer, but it, um, but yeah, I mean, just this, the whole movie experience, you know, you buy the tickets online now, even my seven-year-old was like, why didn't we buy tickets? You know, he's like, he, he realizes that you probably could just walk in and walk right into the movie theater without really ever getting stopped. But you know, you buy the tickets online, you walk in, you, you print them off yourself, you grab the movie and you know, the, the popcorn and the butter and, and the big ass drink. And yeah, it's, it's the movie theaters are back. It's it's an easy way to drop a hundred bucks instead of feeling it, right? right. <laughs> you can there's a lot less feel of that pain of that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and with you know, with no football right now, you know, Sunday Sunday afternoon matinee movie. There we go. No, not bad. So yeah, so go to the movies, people. There you go. <laughs> I know you love the movie theater. I have bet last movie. This is I'm gonna date <laughs> myself here, but the the last movie theater movie I saw, Ted Two. <laughs> what's that 10 years ago <laughs> too funny man you need to go to the movies too so yeah I, the one that has the bar that might get me yeah i mean yeah i get a bar and you, you know you can i'm telling you man these 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 the seats now are like massive and oh. you can you can also select your seats online before you go and, and you see where everybody else is sitting so you can two seats over here two seats over there you know like whatever you want to do so assign so is, seating is, is it kind of like like an airplane now where you can have better seating if you pay a little more? Or? Uh, I think, no, I think it's all pretty much the same, you know, okay. same price for every seat. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I need to get back out to the, I, like I said, I have not been to the movies in a zillion years, but I would like to, I just haven't, I don't have a good movie theater near me. That's the ones that I have are cut fresh from 1963 <laughs> right they still have a projector that's playing splice together film <laughs> too funny well guys that's uh that's another episode of the talk to me podcast here notfest.com and uh for the talk to me podcast i'm joshua Toomey. i am chris Hagen. and we will talk to you soon see ya the talk to me podcast presented by notfest.com follow the show at talk to me talk be sure to subscribe rate the podcast and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the talk to me podcast